Fatherhood is fascinating. One day you're dad of the year, and the next day is, well, the next day. Welcome to Positively Dad, a podcast designed to help dads embrace the journey. Thank you for joining us on Positively Dad. My name is James Shaw. I'm your host. I'm a dad, and I'm thankful that you've joined us today. We started Positively Dad back in March of last year to be a resource to you just to help you grow and get better as a people person or a partner. And I trust we've been doing that. It's been amazing to, to get your feedback and to see everyone who's listening. We do two podcasts every single week. And on Mondays, we do this one. This is our more traditional podcast where I talk to an expert about something that's going to help us grow and get better. And then on Thursdays, I talk to a dad about being a dad. And there's all great episodes. So go and listen to those, any that you've missed. I think you'll enjoy them. And today we're going to look at something that I think is kind of cool. It's, it's you know, here we are in, in a new year. It's January. We are, you know, a few weeks into the new year. And it's really common, right, for people to set New Year's resolutions. And you've probably set them in the past. And chances are you didn't accomplish it. I mean, maybe you did. And, and maybe you've, you've accomplished some things. And, except some of us work on the same resolution year after year after year. In fact, when you're listening to this podcast, we're only a few weeks into the year, and you may have already bailed on whatever your New Year's resolution is. So why do we do that if it doesn't work? If resolutions aren't the answer, why do we do it? Well, I came across a gentleman named Mike Ashcraft, and Mike is the senior pastor of a church in Wilmington, North Carolina called Port City Church, and he had that realization as well, that New Year's resolutions just flat out don't work. And so several years ago, he led his church through an exercise where they picked a word for the year to be their focus. And that little project that he did with his church in Wilmington has become something that's impacting people all over the world. It turned into a book that he wrote along with Rachel Olson called My One Word, and where he walks you through the process of how to kind of choose that word and why it's important. And I thought it'd be really cool to have him on and look at it from a couple of different ways. Number one, how can we choose a word that might help us grow as a parent, partner, or person? And then how could we help lead our family and our children, even our young kids, and how to do the same thing? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Let's get started and do it. Mike, thanks so much for joining us on Positively Dad. My pleasure, man. So glad to be here. Thanks for all you do. Oh, my pleasure. And thanks for what you do. And, and the reason I wanted to have you on, you're, you're a pastor at a church in Wilmington, and, um, and you've gotten really some attention across the spectrum with a book that you wrote many years ago that I think was part of a, what, what is an adaptation from a service that you gave several years ago. Is that right? That's correct. It's something I started really personally uh, and quite by accident um, back in about 2003, 2004. And so the book is called My One Word. And, and the reason why I wanted to have you on now as we're at the beginning of the year is that so many people do you know resolutions and all that kind of stuff, and we see them fail year after year after year. And so you kind of had a new perspective on that. Share it with us. Sure. You know, it's, uh, the, the, the essence is that New Year's resolutions are essentially promises that we make to ourselves uh, that we just we know don't work. I mean, statistics tell us, you know, everybody has an experience with a, their, their excitement about a resolution they picked and decided they were going to do, you know, finally and forever. And then you know, two months in, or really, you know, sometimes two weeks in, you've already you know, messed up. I promise I'll read my Bible every day for in 2010, or I promise I'll go to the gym every day in 2011, or whatever it is, and we just never do it. And um, I was a big New Year's resolution guy most of my life. I always really been really intentional about trying to 
Like, let me let me make some, let me make some lists, you know, spiritually and physically and financially and all the things that we do. And um, I told him, I said, it's funny. I have two resolutions that I can really, really remember. And one because I kept, and the other because I failed. Uh, and one of them was I, I made a resolution one year to run a marathon, and I made a resolution one year to not drink soft drinks. So I haven't had a soft drink since December 31st, 1999. That's the only one I've ever kept. Everything else has been a complete <laughs> failure. And so in 2004, you know, I've always been a, a journaler. I kept a journal since I was in, my, in high school. My youth minister just basically said, hey, I'm writing things down. Helps you think. It helps you see. And so I've been doing that, you know, very basically, I'm not a good writer. I just, I just would sit down and write what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. Here's what happened today, things like that. And in 2004, I sat down and I was reading out of the book of John. And, you know, Jesus says that whoever comes to me out of their innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So I wrote down the word in, in a big bubble letter across my, my page, F-L-O-W, flow. And I just decided I'm not going to try to journal anything. I'm just going to look at that word every day. I, it wasn't really a decision. It's just what I did. And so over the next probably 30, 40 days, I just would look at that word and kind of ask myself, you know, is, is life flowing out of me? And it was amazing how broadly I could see just through that one word and really began to go, wow, there's something to this. And that was what prompted in 2007. Uh, basically a call to kind of ask our church, hey, don't pick your resolutions, just pick a word, because it was really about what kind of person you want to become and not just promises to stop being the person that you don't like to be. And it seems like, too, it's a lot more about who you're becoming versus what you're doing. And that's yeah. probably where growth happens, right? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I know your your show and your ministry is really about dads. And that's it's so funny because... um you know, it's so funny as kids, we, we learn very early on that we get asked do questions and we answer do questions with be answers. When someone says, what do you want to do when you grow up? You say, I want to be an architect. And we almost immediately start establishing the connection between what we do and our identity. And especially as men and young, you know, young men, um, it just becomes it just becomes ingrained and it's really, really hard to to break. And so then all of our, and, and then the culture just tells us, you know, the more you, um, the more you do, the more you perform, the more accomplishments, the more you're going to, you know, the, the fool you'll be or whatever that is. And, and we all know that's not true, but we just don't have any other options. And then I think fear gets in and it's a great way for us to just say, there's actually hope. And I get a say in who it is that I become. And not only that, to me, the beautiful thing is we're just aligning ourselves with what God has actually promised. He says, he is faithful to complete that which he has begun. And we just miss so much of it because we don't really have a lens or a way to see that on a regular basis. So it seems like that this, you know, thinking about that word just gave you some focus and helped kind of point you in the right direction. Uh, yes. You know, so it's so funny because um, if you've ever, you know, people who come to our church, they know this, but uh, I have severe ADD. So I use like a whiteboard and a marker and, you know, it's a, just so I can keep from uh, going all over the place. And so I've always struggled with attention. And one day I, you know, when I, when I started this, you know, like I said, years ago, it was almost like I realized that, you know, I just sort of believed I couldn't focus. And the reason I couldn't focus is because I just never did. And so I took my word and I put it on my dashboard of my car. I wrote it on my mirror in my bathroom. It's on the front, you know, on my calendar uh, at work. Uh, I mean, I've had people, I don't do this, but people put it on their phones as their wallpaper. And what you realize is if you look at something every single day, 
you can actually focus, like you can actually do it if you just have to have tools and ways to help you do that. And that's really what has helped me more than anything and just being able to do it consistently over time. And the thing for me is it's changed my life more than anything else. This is my 14th year picking a word. And um, I can look back now over the last you know, 13 years, and it's amazing to see the arc of God's work in my life. And, uh, you know, what a treasure that is to have and to be able to see it kind of in my own handwriting and my own um, kind of processing what God's been doing in my life over the last decade and more. How have you seen it impact members of your church? I mean, you've been doing this, like you said, 14 years or something like that. How has it impacted them? It's so funny because it really becomes like a, a lens. You know, we have stories all the time. I mean, it, it's, the cool thing is now around here when people say, you know, oh, my word is this, and this is how it's helped me. There's, there's stories that are as simple as, you know, my word was, you know, gratitude. And you know, last year I entered into the hardest year of my life. And so I'm trying to figure out how to be thankful for everything. You know, so there's a lot of quippy stories like that. One of the things that I, I talk about actually in the book, the last chapter is one of my really good friends was diagnosed with, with cancer and uh, on, she, had, she had spent her year with two, in 2007, the very end. Um, the first year we did it as a church, on December 31st, she was diagnosed with uh, colon cancer that metastasized to her liver. She was 39 years old, mother of four. Her and her, her husband were really good friends of mine. And December 31st, you know, my wife and I were sitting there. I got the call. She'd been in the hospital, just got a surgery. So I left and went out of the hospital that, that night. And when I walked in the room, the first thing she said to me is, I've already picked my word for next year, and it's going to be moment. And I remember thinking, like, man, here's this young mom who just got, I mean, basically a, you know, the, the worst diagnosis you can get. And she's, she's thinking about the way she's going to view her, her fight um, for her life through the lens of one word. And over the next few years, I got to watch her kind of use that lens to see God do amazing things and to frame a perspective um, in her life. In fact, the year she passed away, her word was finished. And um, it was just an, it was an absolutely incredible, you know, incredible thing. I use it oftentimes when I'm doing counseling with someone, you know, they'll sit down and go, man, we're really stuck here. Marriage counseling, really stuck here. And I'll say, what is your word? And, you know, they'll, they'll usually talk about us. Well, well, tell me how you would view this through that lens. And they're like, wow, that would really change the way I responded to this, reacted to that, or what I would see about this or say about that. So it's not so much about what you're telling people to do. It's just allowing them to see some things through what they already want to have happen in their life. And I think it just makes it accessible. It stops feeling like we're trying to fix ourselves or solve the problems that we have. Instead, we're trying to live into this vision that God has for us. And it's just, it's just a fundamentally different way of thinking about change and formation and, you know, becoming. What I'm hearing is that this, this word that you're choosing or the people you're working with are choosing, it already exists inside of them. We're just pulling it out to give it, give it some focus and really start to appreciate the things we have in our life or see the growth and development that we desire to have. Yes, I think because most people, and I say most, it's kind of a, a, gen, a general, generalization, but most people tend to want to change because of regret, right? You know, if I want to be more organized, it's because I'm terribly disorganized. Or if I want to, you know, be in better health, it's because I'm not in great health. Or if I want to do, you know, whatever it is, it's usually a reaction to the things that we don't like about ourselves. And the question, you know, I, I really, you know, kind of, Tribe, this is one of the things that's really important about the process is, you know, you, it's, it's not a knee-jerk reaction. 
you know, there are three questions, essentially, you got to sit down and ask yourself, what kind of person do you want to become? And, and really kind of spend some time on that. And, you know, a lot of people are that the instinct, especially the older we get, the more comfortable we get with our, our condition, whether it's good or bad, you know, we, we at least get comfortable with it. I know what to expect. And we're, we, you know, fear meets us there. When we start thinking about being different or becoming someone uh, different, you know, fear often kind of really, you know, uh, enters in there and sort of stifles us. You'll never do this. This will never happen. And all the second guessing. And so what I really challenge people to do is to just go, but you got to set that aside and just say, you know, what kind of person do you want to become? For me, when I was younger, especially, you know, I had a really bad temper. And so the, the solution was, I'm going to not yell at my kids, or I'm not going to lose my temper, or I'm going to learn to control my temper. And, and those are good, but they're temporary. Instead, I had to start asking myself, what kind of person would I have to become in order for that behavior to be unthinkable? What kind of person would I become that didn't yell at his daughter when she didn't pick up her toys or do what I asked? What kind of person would I become if I didn't yell at the driver in front of me because they didn't drive the way I want them to drive? What kind of person would I need to become such that those behaviors were no longer dominating or even likely? And I, I think a lot of folks just don't have, don't believe that can actually happen. And that's what we're actually created to be. So it's... um yeah, it's allowing you to be that person you truly intend. So you said there's three questions that you've got to ask to kind of come yeah, up with parts. this word or three parts to it, right? Yeah. So can you walk us through a little bit of that? And and I do I don't want you to do the whole thing because people need to go get the book. And like you said, it's not knee jerk. <laughs> it is a it is a process, and I've done it many times. It's a process. And yet, can you kind of walk us through a little bit so people can get an idea? Sure. What I always say to do is first of all just to to sit down and describe what kind of person you want to become. And sometimes, you know, what we do is we, we describe a, you know, list some characteristics like, do I want to be um, a person of integrity? Do I want to be a person who, you know, you can even describe it in the negative, like I don't want to lose my temper. And that leads to kind of maybe I need to be tender or I need to be kind or I need to be sort of slow in my reaction to things or judgments to things. You, you sort of describe what kind of person you want to be and you start making a list. The second step is start making a list of the characteristics of descriptions, descriptors, and which will eventually be phrases and then into words. And then what I do is just narrow that list down. And, you know, what I, what I often do is I'm kind of getting that list. I'll go to the dictionary. Um, I'll write out the definitions of those words. I'll go to the Bible. You know, the great thing about the internet, you can, you know, go to Blue Letter Bible or Bible Gateway and you can, you know, type in a word. And it'll give you all the verses um, with that word in it. And I start, you know, kind of scowling the scriptures for verses that have to do with that. And um, I'll write them down, you know, put them in my journal. And uh, then I just, you know, usually spend a couple of days kind of looking at that list. And the, the ones that I like, you know, I'll circle and the ones that I don't like, I just scratch out. And I do that over a couple of days. And then once I get down to try to wheel it down about four or five words, sometimes less. And then the end of the day, and usually I find like one or two or usually two or three that I really like. But the challenge is literally just to pick one. And people have a hard time doing this because like, well, what if I pick this instead of that? You know, and they're like, it's that fear thing. What if I pick the wrong word? And, you, and it's part of this is just learning how to trust our own and I think I'm going to say it like this, but it's learn how to trust ourselves, you know, and I, I know what I mean is that we learn how to trust God's work in our life. But usually when we get in those situations, we, we try to pick two 
And, you know, the very definition of focus requires us to eliminate things that aren't moving in that direction. And, you know, and just be able to trust that when you pick a word, you're going to be able to see sufficiently what God wants you to see. You know, it's so in line with the one thing, and I know you did an event with Jay yeah. Papsan, who, yeah. who's the co-author of that book with Gary, and what, and we've had Jay on the podcast, and what Jay says is the, the way you have a really big life is that you get really narrow, you get really small. And yep. I think you're saying the same thing. The way you have this, right. this life that you truly want to have is you've narrowed your focus to really one descriptor of what you would like to see yourself accomplish or who you'd like to see yourself be this year. Yeah. And what's, what's interesting is, you know, the, the phrase that we use in the book is do something about one thing instead of nothing about everything. Because that's kind of what, what happens. I think it was C.S. Lewis who said, you know, we, we don't seek first things because we're afraid we'll lose all the other things. And I, and I believe the way C.S. Lewis said it was, he says, if you seek first things first, you get second things thrown in. And to me, it's just a beautiful picture of like all the things I'm afraid of. What if I just focused on, you know, behold, you know, what am I going to miss? And I'll, you know, what am I going to miss if I don't pick this word? And what I've learned is you, you, you don't miss anything. You actually get to see things with, with more clarity and richness than, than I ever imagined. There's been some immensely formative things uh, in my own life uh, through the lens of my word. And what's other, the other thing that's really interesting is your words don't leave you. Like, it's not like once you, you know, you picked you know, love. And then next year you're picking a new word. Love doesn't leave you. It's a part of your story. It's a part of what God is doing over the, over the long haul. And that's kind of the approach of it. You know, I think it was Eugene Peterson who, I think it was the title of his book, you know, long obedience in the same direction. And that's what this allows us to really stay focused over a year and then over you know, two multiple years. And then just to see some things that God is actually orchestrating and doing uh, in our lives through both really, really good things and really, really hard things. Yeah. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about how this has helped you and your family. And you and your wife, Julie, I think you're going to celebrate 28 years of marriage this year. In in June, we will. We'll both yeah. turn 50 and we'll celebrate 28 years of marriage. So we kind of fun. <laughs> That's awesome. And then you have a 24-year-old daughter named Madison. She's, yep. she's married. And then an 18-year-old who's in college named Michaela. And so this has been, I mean, if you rewind, this whole word idea has been part of, well, Michaela's almost entire life as far as she can remember, and yep. most of Madison's. How has it impacted your family? So I think the beautiful thing, like, so we obviously have done it. The, 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 the best thing about it is the conversation. You know, it's so funny because I talk to people all the time, and People usually think about spiritual conversations with their children or their family. They usually regard around either correction, you know, they've gotten in trouble or some kind of family devotion where you're sitting down and trying to open the Bible. And this is literally just like, hey, what's your word? I mean, my youngest daughter, you know, she's 18. And um, I went, I was, uh, I was out late uh, the other night, we was traveling, kind of in late. So she texted me at like midnight because I was driving back in and she's like, hey, dad, I'm still up. I come say goodnight to you when, I get, when you get here. So I'd run up in her room. She's back at home for the uh, between semesters. And so I ran upstairs and I said, hey, babe, what you doing? She said, I'm, she got her Bible out and her journal out and her books out. She's trying to pick her word. She's like, I'm down to three or four things. And I just say, well, tell me what you're thinking. And, you know, so you're just, and, and especially seeing them like at 18 and, and, you know, older, just the richness and the depth of their capacity to think about their character, their relationship with Christ. And it's just really cool. So when they were younger, you know, um, I remember, I think it was my, I think I can't remember it was Madison, but her word was think. 
just 13 years old. Imagine your 13 year old daughter who says, man, I, you know, my, 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 my word is think because I really need to think about what I say before I say it. So when you're getting those moments that you're always going to be with a 13 year old and she starts off, you go, Hey, what's your word? You don't have to yell at her. You don't have to argue. You just go, what's your word? And what you're doing is you're saying, this is the kind of person that you want to become. Like you want to become this person. So I'm just helping you do that. And it just, it frees you from all, like, it's, it's just such a beautiful way to have those conversations. And even when it comes to disciplining them and, and helping them uh, make decisions about what their friends or what they're going to do or not do. And so it's just been a, it's been an amazing journey to see that. There are very few things that give you insight into who someone wants to become, like have, like when they go through the process of picking a word. It seems like it can bring accountability into your relationships with each other too, because you know Madison and, and Michaela can say, "Hey, Dad, you know what's your oh, yeah. word, right?" So, so oh, talk about <laughs> yeah, yeah. So talk about what that what that's like, and how that helps you know each of you hold each other accountable to the person that you desire to become. Because what I'm thinking of is what you said is that, that this is your word. This is your goal. This is your purpose. And, and you can't say no to that because you came right. up with it. So how you can we help it. each other? Yeah, and that's, that's like I said, and it, it makes it more normal, which I think is the gift. You know, we, we do this. So I'm, I'm going today, actually, to do this same thing with a bunch of business leaders. And because accountability is such a, it's such a harsh thing, at least perception-wise. You know, and even in Christian circles, you have this picture of, we're going to sit here and have coffee. I'm going to ask you these five hard questions and you got to tell me the truth. And then it just, it feels, it feels condemning or, or judgment. And I think it was John Ortberg one time he said, to be held accountable is to simply be taken seriously. And part of what it makes in our, in our homes, especially in those most precious relationships with my wife and my kids, and it's, it's mutual. It's not just me to them, it's them to me and us to one another. It just makes those conversations normal and not condemning, but rather, you know, calling out. I had a really precious conversation with my oldest daughter. Um, her word this year, she's, I guess I can tell, say this, but her word is garden, G-A-R-D-E-N, garden. And it's from a song and, and it says, you know, take me back to the garden and the place where I'm most fully known and the place where I dwell with Christ. And, and just the the insight and the beauty of what she's picked that word. So we're sitting there having this conversation and you get a glimpse into your kids, you know, heart in ways that you, you just can't hardly get any other way, you know, cause you see the process she's been through, you hear the, the insights and, and, you know, this is just over her, over years of her kind of practice. It's not because she's a great kid or not, you know, it's just because she's been doing this and, what God's been doing in her life and to get a glimpse into that and to be able to have conversations and to speak into that and to learn from it is, a, is an incredibly it's a humbling thing. No doubt. So what advice would you give to a dad who's listening to this podcast episode and goes, okay, we're going to do this as a family. Uh, this, is, this is a great idea. What advice would you give them? Uh, you know, one is I would, I would absolutely like make it a process, you know, make it a, hey, like sit down, we're going to go on a Saturday, we're going to go to the coffee shop and how your kids are, whatever they like to do. Get into a room, get your journal out, make your list. We're going to come back together. We're going to share our list. We're going to talk about our list. Because like I said, one of the things you get to do is you not just, you don't just get to call, quote, call them out. You get to encourage them. Because usually what'll happen is you'll see things. People will say, hey, here's my word. 
and you'll say, man, you don't really need to work on that. And that's the, the kind of a cool thing about it is because they think like usually what it is that they're, you're sitting there and you're like, well, I thought you are that kind of person. And it's something real subtle or deep that kind of reveals some kind of insecurity or whatever. And it just allows you to know what they're struggling with, where they are. So I would definitely embrace the process. And then when you pick the word, put it somewhere in your family uh, where you can see it. We, we've done ours. We had a a lady in our church who takes pictures that writes the words in the sand and takes photos. So we each had our words written in the sand, took a picture of it, and then we framed it, put it on our wall. It still sits up there and, um, and we, and we talk about it. So put it somewhere where your family can see it, ask about it, talk about it, encourage, you know, especially as a dad, you know, for my kids to be able to, to say things to me when I'm not acting the way I ought to act for them to be able to go, Hey dad, you know, um, to make that a normal thing is such an important part of creating a culture in your home by which we are becoming and changing and forming, you know, becoming the kind of people, the kind of family that God wants us to be. The other thing I think it gives insight into is this is like as a, as a dad, you know, it's, it's so funny, Proverbs 22, right? It says, you train a child in the way that they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. Most people use this as sort of this cling that my kids who are wayward will come back. But I think the real insight is in that front part to train a child the way that should go. When your kid, you know, sort of talks about who they want to become, you are getting insight into how that kid is wired and what their dreams are and what they hope, what their insecurities are. You're getting insight into that person in your, into your child's life in the way you really can't any other way. So you want to take that slow and really encourage and, and, you know, just put your gentle hands kind of on it to really help shape and empower them to believe that they can actually, that God will actually do that in their lives. Well, it sounds like such a powerful opportunity as a family to grow together and, and kind of get on the same page and then hold each other accountable to the people that we desire to become and get clarity around who we even desire to become, which is just amazing. The book is my one word, and it's easy to find. They can get it anywhere. And I know you guys do a lot of stuff online. How can people connect with you and and with my one word if they want to just learn more about this? Sure. Um, we have a website, myoneword.org. Our church website uh, is where most of my teaching is is housed. It's uh, portcitychurch.org. And then, of course, I'm on Instagram and uh, Twitter. So I, I use that a lot, and we kind of keep up through those as well. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out today to join us, Mike. Great stuff, and what a great way to get some focus here in a new year. Can I say one more thing before we wrap up? Absolutely, yeah. So one of the things that's really amazing about this process is you'll sort of start to think about two months in that you've figured out what's going to happen, and then oftentimes the word will shift and become something that you did not expect or see, and that's, that's the beauty of it. So my my, you know, when you pick a word, put it everywhere so you can see it and don't stop short because I think what, what God, you know, when he frames our vision for things and he helps us to see things, it is almost always going to be more and deeper and more unexpected than what we have thought. So I, I encourage people to stay with it, get people around you to talk about it for the entire year. That's great advice. Well, thank you so much for sharing it. And again, Mike, thanks so much for being on. Hey, my pleasure, man. Thank you so much. And I'm honored to be with you. Great stuff from Mike and a great perspective as well. You know, who is it that you truly desire to become? And when you see yourself as that person, well, then you're on the path for that. And as I said, when we were talking, that whatever word you choose probably already exists inside of you, or you couldn't think of the word, right? So that exists inside of you. 
And now it's about you being able to bring that out and truly see you be that person. And then think about as a family how when we all choose a word, it helps us with the accountability around that, about the choices that we're making and and the things that we're doing, that are we truly being that person that we desire to be? Are we acting in the way that we choose to? Are we putting our focus on the word that we pick? Good stuff. All right, well, let's wrap up the way we wrap up every episode on Positively Dad, and that's with a visit to the Kids Corner. This is where Naomi, who is my uh, almost eight-year-old, our little second grader, she likes to join us and talk about whatever's on her mind. Now, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, maybe you're new to it and and you don't know what we do, I just say, Naomi, uh, what would you like to talk about today? And she comes up with the topic. I don't uh, coach her, don't walk her through it, don't tell her what to say, don't tell her what topic to pick. She just comes up with it. And as we're kind of coming out of that holiday time, we've had some of that stuff on her mind. So today, she's going to talk to you about toys. What are the kids thinking? Time to find out in the Kids Corner with your host, Naomi. Hello, my name is Naomi Shaw. Today on the Kids Corner, today I will be talking about toys. So kids, you, I know you guys love toys. And you tell your parents to buy you that toy, buy you this toy. And sometimes you guys have to save up for yourself to get toys. Like I do. I pay for a lot of my stuff. Sharing your toys means that you are a nice friend. You can do that to your friend or a random person that you don't know. Because there was this little kid that I do not know. He just came walking up to me saying, do you want to play with me? He had like little tiny action figures and we were playing with that at Barfly. It made me so happy that he asked if, do you wanna play with me? And I was wondering if he didn't have anybody else to play with. Now he had a little sister and he rode his bike over there. And my dad and my mom became friends with the other people there. That's it for me, Miss Cornell. Have a great day, bye. I love it. You know, I remember that day that we were at this restaurant and the little boy came up to her and said, you want to play? And they did. They played with the action figures and she met this kid. We ended up meeting the parents and now we see him around town. It's just kind of fun stuff. Really cool. Hey, I want to thank you for listening to Positively Dad today. I trust you got some value out of it that, that maybe, you know, today you can go out and get the book. Then, you know, this weekend you can sit down with your family and walk through everybody choosing a word to be their focus for 2020. And uh, that this can help you guys grow as a family and grow as a person, and you can grow as a partner. So I'm going to thank you for listening. If you liked it, would you tell people about it? Would you share this with somebody who you think might see value in it as well? And then would you rate us wherever you're listening? We absolutely love five stars. Maybe even write a review. That would be totally cool as well. And then we'd love to connect with you on our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search at Positively Dad, and you'll find us pretty easily. And then finally, if you'd like to be on the podcast or you know somebody that would be a great guest, we'd love to hear from you. Send me an email at james at positivelydad.com. All right, thanks for listening. I'm James Shaw. We'll talk to you next time on Positively Dad. Bye-bye.